Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin, and on this week's show, All right, guys, welcome. On this week's episode, we have a corporate scientist at 3M who holds 72 patents for a variety of innovations. She was appointed as 3M's first ever chief science advocate in 2018, and she's using her scientific knowledge, technical expertise, and professional experience to advocate for science. She has an MS and a PhD in chemical engineering from Clarkson University in New York. She's been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Yahoo Finance. She was on Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, Fox News, uh, ARS Technica, Thrive Global, The Ladders, if you guys know ladders.com, you know, she's all over the place. She was recently inducted into the Carlton Society, which is 3M's science and engineering kind of like Hall of Fame, right? And just recently in 2020, She received the highest achievement award from the Society for Women Engineers, as well as the Women of Distinction Award by the Girl Scouts of River Valley. And that's also their highest award. She's the author and she's written a book, The Hearts of Science, Engineering Footprints, Fingerprints, and Imprints, all of which the proceeds are going to a scholarship fund for underrepresented minority women in STEM. So please welcome Jayshree Seth. Hey, Jayshree. Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited. I don't know how much you listen to the podcast, but we geek out on scientists, so we're super happy to have you here. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, you know, it's my understanding that you really kind of, like many young girls, didn't really look at, you know, STEM, science. Uh, For those who don't know, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. We abbreviated to STEM. And, you know, you really weren't kind of looking at that as like a career, right? So tell me how one goes from not even noticing it to all of a sudden being a bigwig over at 3M. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Well, uh, when I was growing up, I didn't think of myself as the typical science and engineering type because there were these pervasive stereotypes of, you know, kids tearing their toys apart, trying to understand how they work. And I was like, you know, I like my toys like they are. I don't want to rip them apart and stuff. But Uh, Interestingly, I grew up in a place which was like a STEM town. It was an engineering town. My dad was an engineering professor. I I grew up on the campus of this premier engineering institution in northern India. So the funny thing, the way we like to say it is, is that everybody, you know, there was just it was expected that you were going to be an engineer. And so being immersed in that environment and then having strong parental guidance to become an engineer. And for those of you who are from India or perhaps Asia, recognize how strong some of that guidance can be. And uh, so I thought, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And so that's exactly how I ended up in in STEM is, uh, you know, because of strong parental guidance and recommendation. The thing that I didn't realize is STEM is actually about the things that I wanted to do, which is to help people improve lives, make the world a better place. It's just not how we talk about it. And so that's a gap that in my new role as chief science advocate, I clearly see, and that's what I feel passionate about. So 
that's how I ended up in this. And then I, uh, I did my undergrad in India. I did my master's and PhD, as you said, at Clarkson in upstate New York. I came to 3M for a summer internship and they offered me a full-time position. And uh, I was like, oh, cool, I'll get paid. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> not knowing what I was getting into, kind of just have been going along, uh, you know. And then when I got here and realized, you know, the culture of empowerment, the ability to collaborate, to solve problems that matter, it was just a great, uh, great journey. And uh, now in looking back uh, and, and also in this role as chief science advocate, I really want to tell that story. So all the girls, like you said, who don't see themselves in STEM roles, because let's say humanities feels more intuitive or they don't see the connection with helping the world. I think I can make it clear that that's how I started out. And I've done exactly that in this role in STEM. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think it was Microsoft that did a study and they found that 72% of the girls that were polled uh, really have it in them to want to help the world, right? And when they were asked about STEM as the process to get there, only 37% of them were even slightly interested, right? Even kind of saw that as the conduit. And I find that interesting. I mean, first of all, you know, and you can tell us best, but science is all around us right? It's like, it's everywhere. It's in the laptop that I'm using. It's in the microphone. It's in, you know, how we, you know, do logistics for, for feeding the homeless. I mean, it's, it's everywhere, right? It's our weather. It's everywhere. So it's interesting that, that, that is, why do you think that that is? I mean, you grew up in a unique situation where, you know, um, engineering is all around you, you know, science is all around you and, you know, speaking, and I'm going to speak to American girls. It could be international. I can't speak to that. I grew up here. This is what I see the most of. Um, but why do you think that is? Why do we, we fail to realize that it's actually STEM mm-hmm. and it's in everything? <laughs> like, yep. No, you're absolutely right. Science is all around us. In fact, it's interesting uh, to that point. Uh, 3M does this survey called the State of Science Index, and we do it every year. We have been doing it since 2017. First set of results were in 2018. And Essentially, at that point, four out of 10 said if science didn't exist, their lives would be no different. 40%. So it was <laughs> shocking. And so you can see exactly the problem is in a little bit in the messaging. Yeah. Like you said, science is all around us. But here's the problem. Science is undervalued. It's behind the scenes. It's underappreciated. Mm. And that's what we have to change. Because that's not part of the narrative. I mean, sometimes... To our fault, scientists have said, oh, you don't have to worry about how it works. It works. It's like magic. Well, no, you've got to bring the science in the forefront because as a result of not talking about the science, now we've got this problem where, you know, girls and underrepresented minorities and others really don't see this as a field for them because they don't see the connection of it's what making it's what's making everything work around them, like you said. So yeah. I think partly it is the communication, partly it's the whole focus on content as opposed to context Mm. and we need a better balance between the content of what it is about and the context of the why it is important and I also believe that it's possible that because it was laid out in a very male-centric way it has been very content focused Mm. and Mm -hmm. women and girls typically look for more of a context and I say that from my N is equal to one, I guess, because I have a son and a daughter. And with my, or, you know, my son, it was the content that was good enough. We're going to go to robotics. Great. We're going to go to robotics. For my daughter, it was like, why, 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 why is this important? Why do I need to do the context? 
was so important that once she was inspired with the context, the rest came, you know, it, it wasn't a struggle, but passing that hurdle. Now, if you just talk about content, you're doing the same thing when you're trying to attract girls to STEM. So we have to talk more about the context. You know, there's an, another interesting study. I think the Girl Scouts uh, uses this study where, you know, they said, who wants to help their grandparents be safe? And, and, and all the girls said, yes. And then if you ask them, do you want to earn a cybersecurity badge? You know, it's like, uh-uh. but you realize <laughs> that right. that's what's going to get you because your grandparents will be safe because you're getting the cybersecurity badge by teaching your grandparents how to be careful and things like that. So the power of the context is what we have to really highlight. And it's not just girls, it's, it's, I think everybody now is so much in tune with the context because content focus can get us in trouble in society, you know, and so having that context of why it is important and how to address these things is going to become more and more and more important as we're seeing. So yeah, we have to fo- put the focus on context. It is, like you said, everywhere around us and helps everything we do. I love it. So tell me a little bit about how you're helping to do that. Um, I know one of the things that you you have out right now is this book. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. And then tell tell me a little bit more about what you're doing in order to sort of push that context. Yeah. So um, we have been um, doing this survey, like I said, for a few years now. And, and the idea is to understand the pulse of the public and mm-hmm. what do they think about science and, and dig deeper into what they think science should be able to achieve, whether it makes them feel optimistic about the future. And so if you dig deeper, you find that people do understand that science is important and they have some even unrealistic expectations, you know, blurring the lines between science fact and science fiction. But it's all good because it tells us that deep down they do understand that it's important. And so what we have been trying to do at 3M is, is of course, support STEM education across the spectrum. Uh, We spend a lot of money and effort and resources in doing that. Uh, you know, schools, colleges, and and uh, beyond. But we're also trying to understand how to portray science in a more positive light, talk more about the benefits of science, et cetera. So, all, and, and help scientists communicate in a context that is important to people. So the way I broke it down in my role as chief science advocate is A is about raising the awareness and appreciation of science in our daily lives. Just like you rattled off examples, this laptop, this microphone, your microwave, you had coffee, and, you know, all those kinds of things. You have to highlight the importance of that. Uh, B is about breaking down barriers and biases and boundaries. And there are many. And it yeah. could be the media portrayal, you know, the geeky scientist, the evil scientist, the maverick, the loner. There's a long list of things little girls do not aspire to be, which is <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how media portrays that. So breaking down, talking about it and, and having those role models that allow, you know, young girls to aspire to do this and having the diversity. So underrepresented minorities are uh, inspired. And then the last one is, as we talked about, is C, is, is championing it in a context that is important to people. Right. Look, when you fall ill, look, when this happens, this comes from a lot of science. And so that's the context of why it's important. It's also important for the climate change and things like that, to put it in context of why this is important and what happens. So essentially, that's been my strategy around this. So I write a lot about it, talk a lot about it. We share the results of the survey. And then we have done things like podcasts and we've done, you know, short video series portraying scientists as regular human beings who have the same hopes and desires, not some 
something going on in the ivory tower. We have a scientist, a storyteller guide, which scientists can download to understand how to communicate with the public. We also get celebrities involved to be spokespeople about science and inspiring students to pursue science. So it's a multifaceted problem, as you can appreciate. So we have like a multifaceted set of solutions for all of this, ranging from all the way to school kids to professionals and women who might be feeling a little uh, disenfranchised in their roles, uh, you know, in, in a corporate environment. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the book now, too, because I really want to kind of push this out to our listeners, you know, understanding the beauty of the fact that if they purchase this, you know, it's 100% going to the scholarship fund to help you in doing kind of the things that you were just talking about, right? Promoting this and and, and really yes. kind of bringing it out there. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you saying that. So this book is a collection of some of my experiences along my journey. And I talk about the fact that I didn't think of myself as a science and engineering type, but I've been very successful just because of what I brought in, my interest in humanities, my creative mindset, my uh, you know ability to work with people. All those are critical. But it's not just as a scientist and an engineer developing innovative products, but I also bring in my experiences as a parent as a science advocate and as a thought leader. Uh, Because I feel like everyone's career in all these fields will be unique and it'll be centered around their specific technical proficiency. It'll be anchored by the specific goals they had as well as the organizational goals. So the book is not about my technical work or the scientific explorations or any of my product inventions. I share what has enhanced my own learning and provided me rich context and I give easy and memorable ways to incorporate, uh, you know, those thoughts and, and actions. And I give points to ponder. So I talk about four things. One is the state of science, and that's the need for STEM advocacy. Mm-hmm. The second is what I feel very strongly about is the need of convergence of STEM and humanities. Yeah. So I say the real shtick is STEM, <laughs> science, humanities, technology, engineering, and math. That's one of the memorable ways. <laughs> uh, I love acronym and I create them all day long. <laughs> uh, then I talk about leadership on the need for leading from our own rung of the ladder mm-hmm. to show that you can actually lead from wherever you are. Okay. And then the last one is thought leadership on the need for developing this growth context. And I essentially compiled it for, for young dreamers and changers who want to solve real problems that matter because if nothing, 2020 taught us that we need more people with you know, communal goals and aspirations in STEM than ever before to meet the challenges we have ahead of us. Yeah. And so for all the girls who want to change the world and solve real problems that matter, that's a great book for them. We need more people like them. To all young folks who wonder if they should consider STEM or leave STEM because humanities may feel more intuitive. I've given you my spiel, you know, the real <laughs> sticky stem. So bring that mindset. And for all the professional women in STEM or those who are poised to start and are wondering if they can succeed in a corporate career, that is for them because I believe we can change the rubrics. We must alter the metrics and we will transform the optics. So oh, I love that, yeah. the goals yeah. of helping people and improving lives, they were at the center of my journey. And I talk about that in the book and I, and I want them to understand that it's, it's okay to bring your whole self to a scientific career. So, and I give a lot of examples from my uh, thoughts and reflections and, and, and insights. And, and the reason why I did it the year that I did it, which was in 2020, is because I felt that we really needed to bring STEM advocacy as it relates to equity 
in the forefront mm. as well with everything that transpired. And it was a perfect opportunity for me to have uh, uh, to reach out to the Society of Women Engineers because they had just uh, announced that they would be giving me the highest achievement award. And I thought this would be great because we would have that audience of all these young engineers and I would be able to share my experiences with them mm -hmm. and all the sales can then go into you know, having someone else's journey begin. So yeah. it just came together for me. So I'm very grateful for that. So That's awesome. please, yes, encourage your uh, <laughs> listeners to uh, go to Amazon and buy The Heart of Science, Engineering Footprints, Fingerprints, and Imprints. Uh, I keep copy close to my heart. <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll put the link there too so that, to make it nice and excellent. easy, right? So we'll have the link not yeah. only in the description, but we'll have it on our page so you guys can come back to it after you're listening to this or however you're going to do that. Um, let me right. ask you this, you know, as a woman having this journey, having really come up through 3M, I have so many questions. So let me start with this question is, what was your biggest challenge as a woman coming up in this environment that is somewhat male dominated? Um, you know, what was your biggest challenge there? It sounds like 3M has been incredible for you, though, like really supportive. And, and that's an amazing yes. thing to get from such a large corporation. Um, yes, yeah. I have to say that I ended up in the perfect environment for me yeah. because it was a collaborative environment and it's just built into the scaffolding of our culture mm -hmm. to help others work with others and value that connection that we have with each other. So that was great. I would say the bigger challenges I had were my own sort of um the the voice that in your head tells you sometimes you can't do something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and overcoming that. And uh, every time I started something new and I was starting it, I took initiative to start it, but I still had this sense of, am I really qualified to do this? Am I going to be good at this? Will I be able to succeed at that? And to figure out how to uh, sort of subdue this, you know, well-honed muscle that just yeah. activates anytime you are dealt with some uncertainty. And and I've thought about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't call it a confidence gap because I don't believe it is. It is just normal for me. I think it's how women. your brain operates. I mean, if you if you yes. look into neuroscience and the way that we develop from from caveman days, I mean, we're looking for the negative. We're looking for the thing that's different because it means yes. back then life or death, right? Did we go on the wrong path and now we're going to run into a saber-toothed tiger or exactly. did we go back to the path to our cave, you know? Yes, I mean, I think exactly. I could not yeah. agree with you more. And I, that's what I say, that it was very important that we did not take the steps that would jeopardize our our, our lives, right? Yeah. So I think we were trained that way. So how do we make sure that we use this reflex wi wisely mm -hmm. and don't let it stop us from, from doing certain things that are important? So I, I actually say that you have to train this, yes. this voice and you have to have a talk a with yourself and say, have you done these kinds of things before? Yeah. Yes, you have. And I write about that in a book. I've devoted a whole chapter in there about how I came to a point where now I I hear the voice, I have a chat with it, and we're very comfortable with each other. And I'm able to move forward with full confidence. And when I say confidence, it truly means confidence. Because remember, 
people think we don't have it, right? So now if you got it, then I, I, I bet it's, it's, it's like a lot of confidence and I am very certain in my abilities of being able to do something. So yeah. I say it's about, you know, gaps, edges, ledges, and judges. So don't judge me for what is normal for me and don't call it a gap. How do I know yours is not overconfidence that's going to get us in trouble, right? Yeah. So don't go by that definition of, of, of male bravado and call that confidence. Right. So I've been very vocal about that and and what has really helped me is doing a lot of little things which give me confidence yes so i call it my own virtuous cycle which is action success confidence and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter how small the action is it gives you a sense of confidence of doing something new doing something different then when you're having a chat with yourself and you're asking well have you done things like this before you will find yourself answering yes i have yeah it may not have been this exact thing, but I did There's go into something it, yeah. new. Yep. There's a piece yep. of it. Exactly right. So I highly recommend that people try different things. So at 3M, for example, I was uh, you know, in many committees where I got to function in a completely different role than what is my, mm. my functional mm. role. But it gave me this exposure, gave me that experience, gave me this idea of how to start with a blank sheet of paper, build something new, forge new paths, you know, bolster that sense of, yes, I can do it. Yeah. And, and that's what I highly recommend people do. Do your job, but also do these other things that are critical to you doing your job better. Yeah. And that comes from sometimes all these external opportunities that you may have within your organization to lead, a, you know, just some lead something, yeah. lead an effort, participate in an effort that has nothing to do with your day job. And, and we have ample opportunities to do that. And that's true for a lot of the startups we work with. You know, they when they're building their advisory boards, when they're building their boards, they get so zeroed in on like, oh, did you do this before? Did you? Bullshit. Bullshit. You need everything. You need people that aren't in your industry because they're going to be the disruptors. Like teachers are not the disruptors of education. It's all of us people that are like, oh, look, we use agile and tech. We should apply that to to education. Look how it's it's usually outside influences that can see what you can't because you're so in it and you're so surrounded by it that you're all stuck in that same mindset, mentality and and vision, you know? Yes. And and. Only, just like you said, only when you go participate in these other things will you realize, oh my God, what are these people saying? Because we should, I think we should do it this way. Then you realize that you brought in that fresh perspective. When you go back to your day job and then you're thinking, oh my God, stale, stale, stale. Mm -hmm. Am I bringing in that fresh perspective? Because I just had this experience, see? So all these little experiences that people discount I believe you learned something so powerful from them. Yeah. And that's been my really road to success is participating in all these activities and uh, committees and initiatives and working with people from completely different areas, have a completely different background, a completely different mindset. And you come away learning a lot of things and which you bring then to your job and you just yep. get so much better at it. And as a result, now you have built this confidence. Yeah. And so for me, that's been the, the trick. That's been, you know, the, 
And the, the reason why I say it was a challenge is because if you go back all the way to my childhood, I was somebody who didn't think that they were the science and engineering type. So right, right, once you right. have this story that you have told yourself, and then I came to the US, so I'm in a completely different environment than what I am comfortable with. Then I came to 3M working in a completely different area that I knew nothing about. My PhD is in diamond-like carbon films. And I started out <laughs> at 3M working on closures for diapers. So I went from diamond. <laughs> <laughs> to diapers. And so you carry this, this thing with you, right? Your, your, your different experiences. And so when you start doing all these things, you realize, oh, this is not rocket science. It's basic fundamentals and you work with people to apply and, and, and you can find a solution. So. Yeah. And you had talked about it before. I talk about it too, is it literally is a cycle because you could drop in at any place, right? Yes. Whether you have the evidence in your own life, whether you have take the evidence from someone else, like whether you just try and fail and learn and do, and then find the results, you know, or whether you fake yourself out like psychologically and just like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you just motivate yourself to try to get the evidence, to get to, to this, this cycle to ultimately have that level of you know, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's all about taking action. I say it's, yes. it's very important to take action. And I say A is for authenticity. C mm. is for, you know, confidence. Uh, T is for uh, teams and I is for initiative O is for opportunity and N is for network. And all of that just allows you to, to give this uh, uh, yourself, the story or the evidence that you can actually do it. All right, there, acronym queen. We will write that uh, one yes, down too. I am certainly, <laughs> an acronym queen. Tell me a little bit. Let me ask you this. You know, obviously, you've 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 come a long way. What are some of the lessons on leadership that you might want to uh, want to give us that you you've learned on your journey? Um. Yeah. So I talk a lot about that in in my book also, and uh, I feel like people are very much interested in their uh, footprints, where they're going, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the fingerprints sort of of what they're doing. But I think uh, the real legacy is in the imprints that you leave, and it's the how you do something. It's not just what mm -hmm. you do and where you go, but mm -hmm. how you do certain things. So that's important. And for leaders, I, I, I usually uh, hear this whole idea of microscope and telescope, like focusing on the detail and having the ability also to look up and look far out, you know, but I also say it's about, um, you know, having more than that. It's about having a periscope also, which allows you to see when your, your vision, uh, a line of sight is obstructed. See, mm. telescope and microscope are both in clear line of sight, but the right. periscope allows you to see when you do not have the line of sight. So what does that take? Yeah. That takes for you to understand what is around the corner. That takes a lot more understanding of depth before you can actually just focus on the telescope or the microscope because you might be focusing in the wrong area, right? Yeah. So the periscope is important in, in my view from a leadership perspective. And then the stethoscope. If you don't have a heart mm. and you're not listening to your heart and if you're not listening to the heart of others, I'm not sure you can really oh, be one of that. those good leaders. So I yeah. think you also need to have that. And the last one is horoscope. If you think you got there because of who you are, you got there because of a lot of things that were yeah. in your horoscope, in your destiny. So make sure that you're humble about that and accept it. Accept all the privilege that you had, accept all the good luck and fortune you had and, and all the right things that happened to you because that allows you to stay 
sort of on the ground. So I, in, in the book, I talk about uh, leadership, what's in scope. So mm-hmm. it's the telescope, the microscope, the periscope, the stethoscope, and the horoscope. That allows you to have it. the total kaleidoscope of leadership. Oh, I love it. I lo- there you did. Just tied it all together. Yeah. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. So I know that obviously you have interests outside of, you know, 3M. Tell me a little bit about some of the creative pursuits that you're engaged in. Well, I love uh, writing. Um, so the the whole idea of writing this book was, uh, you know, I've, I've wanted to write a book for the longest time. And it just was so perfect with, with what happened uh, around us. I also like to cook. I like to, uh, you know, uh, experiment. <laughs> the experiments never stop. We call it the kitchen lab. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of that. Um, bringing things in from different cultures and different areas and in, in, in incorporating it in, in, in our cooking. And then I, I also write, uh, I do creative writing. You know, I write poetry. I write songs. You know, I'm working on a creative project. So stay tuned. I'm going to... Let you know as soon as my creative project is done. And the reason why I do all of that is just gives me this other outlet of creativity. And and it just Mm -hmm. ties it all together for me. The idea that if you're creative, you're constantly, you you have this visceral compulsion to create. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether it's products for 3M, whether it's food for the family and other friends, or whether it's, a piece of art, it's all part of that same creativity. And I also like to talk about that fact is because I want people to understand that when you're a scientist, it doesn't mean that you got this white coat on and you got bad hair and you're juggling colored liquids, you know? <laughs> There's more to, uh, to, to the sort of field than just the field defining you, you can define your field. So right. I bring in that creative mindset to everything I do. So I, I love doing those kinds of things. And I enjoy oh, yeah. being out in nature because there's so much inspiration for all of the above, for the yeah. science, unbelievable inspiration. And then also for the art and for the mindset and everything. When you yeah, see the growth say, around you. Spiritually connecting, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I just love, love that. And I've had the uh, you know, the privilege and the, and, and the uh, opportunity to do that in 2020 because we've all been sort of working from home yeah, and yeah. spending more time sort of being able to take the walks and things like that. So I really want that to be part of uh, the, the next normal is to stay yeah. connected, uh, you know, spiritually to, to the world around us. Yeah, it'll be nice to see, you know, I'm curious to see what really results you know the the universe can throw crazy stats at us about women leaving executive positions and all this stuff but then if you look at some other stats it's like okay we're ramping up and being some of the most small business owners right so a larger percentage of that so it'll be interesting to see how everybody kind of tries to get back to doing it right so yep yep and i think what i'm realizing is oh my god with my two kids out of the home and me feeling so much like I know what we need to do and being so vocal about it, I feel like this is great. This is yeah. great. So I can see why women are at the, that end of the spectrum are feeling that power and, and looking at the world as, and going, I know what is wrong and, and I know how we should fix it and being very vocal about it. So I'm very energized by how I see that leadership coming up. 
whether it's in males or in, or or women i mean it's it's the idea of being a kinder gentler society you know and and being more in touch with what's going on rather than just a single minded focus on on one thing you know so i think uh, yeah. it bodes well for our future if more women step up in in leadership and influence yeah and of course you know it, it's all just a guess i mean when the pandemic first hit and we realized it was going to be so long the guess was lots of divorce and lots of kids well the acts actually the opposite has been happening um a lot of marriage counseling better closer relationships and actually we did not spike the birth rate <laughs> we just didn't um let me ask you this uh obviously you've had this this journey you know on your way have you utilized coaches at all yes um um in fact many times at 3m when we started a new team we had a coach yeah sort of working with us uh and it was always uh eye opening to see what they see that you don't see mhm mm-hmm. and i had never thought of myself as intimidating and when that feedback <laughs> came i was like who me <laughs> that's that's when you realize you have no idea yeah of how you can come across i know i'm intense and i had self awareness of that but i didn't realize that that intensity is being you know looked at as intimidating and and so you you learn these little skills you know so i i still remember you know my coach she said the our team coach she said jeshri you're very authentic very powerful you can be intimidating because you're so intense but you're really good at humor so try to weave that in so people see you more yeah. as a as a regular human being and i'm just like oh that's easy i i love <laughs> humor but you never know like how much is is relevant in a work setting in a professional environment right, right, right. and all of that and <laughs> i just love the play on words and this and that and humor so i thought that's 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 easy you know so that uh, another thing that uh, a tip that i thought was very interesting was so She said when you have something on your mind you're going to say it right i mean you're just going to say it that's just how it is you know so she said ask permission yeah and i am so grateful to her for that advice because i call somebody i say do you have a minute mm-hmm. and that allows them to give me permission and then i can go into what i am saying and it's yeah. a little tip but it it has Huge. really helped me Yeah because every time it's just a matter of you know I pick up the phone and I call someone and I we go through the niceties and it's like do you have a minute cuz I and you seek permission and yeah. for for just that humility I think what happens is people see you as less intense and less intimidating so yeah. everybody needs that help because we are aware but we may not be aware of the impact we are having on people let's say who don't know you or haven't met you or haven't interacted with you and so yes i think those those coaches are 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 critical in helping our thinking and how you make minor changes yes. to make yourself be more effective and, huge and to impact. me that was that's yeah. the trick i want to be effective i want to be very effective i'm driven by effectiveness <laughs> but if that effectiveness is being hurt by these little things which i'm not doing on purpose that's right. just me how do right. i 
dial it back or dial it in to be a little more acceptable mm -hmm. by a larger audience. So you draw yeah. more people in. So I, I am, I am a good listener from that perspective. If anything helps me be more effective, I'm all about it because that's, I, I crave efficiency and effectiveness. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I actually had gotten the same advice and I take that into my, my private life as well. Like just the other day, my mom's talking about it and she's just expressing herself and I'm about to go into my, my, well, and then I was like, would, would you like me to help you on this? Or are you just telling me this? And she, she told me, she's like, no, I don't need to hear you. Like, like I was like, all yeah. right, cool. Right. Like, because I would have just gone into like, well, you could do this, you could do this. Hey, like, right. And I'm just like, well, wait a second. I had to stop myself and it makes relationships so much better. Now I'm practicing this with my 12 year old daughter. So it's a practice. Yes, Good for you because <laughs> I, I was going exactly there. I have, you're, 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 you're my hero because I haven't been able to do that with my daughter yet. Yeah. It's a practice. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's and so I'm, I'm going to have to, am I just listening or do you want me to say something here mm -hmm. and, and things like that? So it's I as think simple it's as important. that question though, literally right when you feel yourself about to throw up on them, it's like, Oh, did you, did you want to hear my thoughts on that? No. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, you're absolutely right. And yeah. these are little things that help, you know, yeah. uh, just humanize us a little more and, uh, make us more effective, certainly at work, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. At home as well. And I have one final question for you. What is your biggest challenge currently? Wow. Uh, yeah. I would say right now I am feeling like there is so much to be done at every level. Mm. Um. You know, I, I live in a, a suburb of St. Paul uh, and uh, Minneapolis has been the focus of a lot of things that yes. are not good. Um, and uh, I feel that we as a society need to step up and do something about those things. So I'm constantly thinking about ways that I personally can be a better person to help with some of the things that are going on around us. And it makes it even harder. So the challenge sort of seeps over into other aspects of, of, of life, such as work, because again, here we are, most of us are still remote and we don't have the ability to have those meaningful conversations sort of face to face. And it's difficult to master that on Zoom. You don't run into people, which is so much of that camaraderie. And that comes from just running into people and things like that. So navigating this is, is kind of the, the biggest challenge when you're going through uh, sort of anxiety about what's going on in the world and so much there to change and, and then not even being able to connect to people in, in a meaningful way. Uh, is, is sort of a challenge. But I think we're all working through it slowly. Um, and I'm finding that people are opening up more in these remote sessions even. Yeah. And we're trying to build that uh, sort of camaraderie and, and, and sort of casualness, even with such contrived sort of means, or at mm -hmm. least they seem that way. So I'm energized by that. And I'm also yeah. energized yeah. by the fact that the recognition of the social injustices and the hate and all of that is so high that I'm feeling very hopeful that yeah. we are going to address those challenges as well from a yeah. work and personal life standpoint, I think. So that's kind of the challenge. I, I don't know if that helps, but yeah, yeah. I answer that question. It's kind of like this large thing that is looming on us, over us, because we haven't been able to adequately deal with it. 
Yeah. And the awareness level is just skyrocketed and the actual response versus just the knowing um, has been has been massive. Um, mm-hmm. So that's 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 awesome. And, you know, what's really interesting is, you know, you're talking about the Zoom thing just really quickly before we head out. And it's funny because I've actually had remote companies from day one. It was, I was a single mom. My child was very young and I really you know, I object. I object to being chained to a desk and losing hundreds of thousand dollars a year because you have this thing. And I'm talking 2010, man, we didn't have much better tech, right? I think mm-hmm. we used Ring Central. But one of the things I do to kind of bring everybody together in every one of my companies is I ask them three questions about their dreams, their aspirations, their goals, how they want to see their life, how this, how this fits in. But I also post them because we are all remote. So we have a board and we can literally look at things. We can, I've learned things like, you know, one of my employees' sons has ADHD and, you know, she's, she's got the same dream as me in this other realm. And so we can talk about that and we can feel connected. And one of my other sessions, I learned that three individuals had lost a parent when they were teenagers, right? And they didn't know that about each other. So, you know, I've been able to do that and it's been a pretty smooth transaction, uh, transition rather. Um, luckily for us, since I've been like, doing it remote since like 2010 yeah. um you know yeah no i think it's it's important those those connections and those little things and the and the sharing i mean it's not just the formal but the informal connections yeah. you know it's it's yeah. very important to how you how you make sure we don't lose yeah. that and maintain that in whichever environment we're in because we as social animals do need that I mean, there are days when you feel like you don't think you need them, but in the larger picture, we all do. Well, listen, it's been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to hit you up. I know that you like to write. So I actually just created a publication called Mind Flux. So if you ever find the Mm. urge, um, would love for you to write an article for us or be interviewed. Absolutely. I will send you some of mine and see if you want to put them in there. That would be amazing. Love to do that. Thank you so much for your time here today. We appreciate you. Thank you, Kristen. It was nice to talk to you. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe. 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's thrive underscore tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there. But if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at Believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.